0: ComC is your home to buy, sell, and flip all kinds of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 31 million cards. From baseball's biggest stars like Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, and Mookie Betts, to Marvel favorites like Spider Man, Thor, and Captain America, ComC has something for every type of collector. Come visit ComC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. The 1970-71 Topps Tallboy Basketball set is complete. At least my set is complete. This week, I received that pete maravich rookie card the final card that i needed to complete it came through went through ebay authentication and made its way into my collection so that i could knock that one off the list i've got another vintage set complete i started that set this last summer i i picked up a collection that had about two-thirds of the 70 71 top sets in it and i decided i'm gonna go ahead and finish this out this is a cool set i had put together the 72 set not too long ago. This was a good one to get started with, the Maravich there's some other nice cards in there and I was able to finally get that done. I found a BVG-4, very good, excellent condition, and it it went for a a fairly good price. I don't think I got a steal, but I don't think I overpaid. I thought it was a pretty fair price for a well-centered Maravich rookie. If you want to see it, you can check it out on Twitter, Instagram, threads. I put it out on all, all of those, a picture of it. So you can check it out. That was what I was excited about this week. I had been waiting for it to come. It finally came, and I was able to get that one complete. That's That was kind of the highlight of my collecting week. But the highlight of my podcasting week is what we're going to have here. I had a conversation with Mario Alejandro, and it's going to be split up over the next couple episodes. He's one of the OG hobby bloggers. And I, um, you know, sometimes he has a personality that can rub some people the wrong way. And in the past, he has um, really turned some people off as far as being fans of of him and his writing. But he, I think, has, um, as you'll hear in the conversation, He has maybe changed his perspective a little bit, and I wanted to bring him on to talk both about his background in the hobby and kind of the way that he thinks and approaches hobby content going forward. Mario Alejandro is one of the original hobby bloggers. From 2008 to 2010, his site Wax Heaven was one of the most trafficked hobby-related websites that were out there. Now he's very active on Twitter, continues to be a great source of hobby news and opinions, So welcome, Mario. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. And uh, I just want to say right off the bat that I like to give credit um, on everything I do. And I will say that there were three other bloggers that I know of before uh, I got my my start. That would be uh, Stale Gum, Cardboard Junkie, and the Baseball Card Blog by Ben Henry. So I was number four. I was number four as far as I know.
0: That is that is pretty early. Like I said, there was that period of time where hobby blogs (laughs) just took off, you know, Um, and and that was kind of all the rage. It it was kind of a first opportunity we had for independent fans of the hobby and collectors to be able to catalog and capture and share information about the collections that they've been building and the other things that were going on in the hobby. And I think the, the era of hobby blogging really did a lot to help bring the hobby to where it is today and to set set things up for furthering the education that collectors have and the, the type of information that's available to collectors. So thank you for your early contributions. No, you.
1: I, and, and, you know, before that, I mean, the only other place you could go were like message boards. Uh, there was the Freedom Cardboard, and then Beckett had a message board because, you know, social media wasn't the way it is now. And like Facebook, I think when I started facebook you still had to be in like a university to even be allowed on facebook so really it was message boards and nothing really else and then a lot of people had problems with like moderators and stuff so having the opportunity to kind of create your own little space um it it was uh it grew so quickly I, i i was shocked by it i i think at one point i had there was like seven blogs and then All of a sudden, there were over 200 active bloggers. You know, it was unbelievable.
0: Why did you start writing about cards?
1: Well, I um, originally, I got my first pack of cards by accident in 1990. And um, I just became a collector. I just opened a pack of 1990 tops Ames. i was a wrestling kid i was an ultimate warrior fan and i was a transformers kid and i went to Ames, which is uh no longer in business they were like a smaller walmart and i went with my mom and i looked at the transformers they didn't have anything i wanted i looked for the wrestling cards which were produced by classic they're beautiful cards and they didn't have any so i was you know Walking to the cash register with my mom, you know feeling depressed that I couldn't find anything I wanted And I saw a pack of cards, which I thought were playing cards So uh, I begged my mom to buy me playing cards, even though I I had no use for it But uh, she said okay, no problem So I got in the car and I opened up the cards and they were baseball cards And you know, I I'm from Venezuela. So I'd only been there in America, two years, I didn't even know what baseball was. I didn't know who these guys were. I just, you know, was was flipping through the cards, and it was like all these old guys that uh, had no appeal to me, like a Ricky Henderson, Cal Ripken, Don Mattingly. To me, these guys were ancient. And then one card peeked out. It was this young slugger. If you look at his nineteen ninety Topps Ames card, he looks like a wrestler he looks like a wwf wrestler he had these gigantic arms uh muscles he had a look on his face like he was trying to murder i didn't know what he was doing he just had a, a bat in his hand i don't know what he was doing i didn't know the sport but just the look of him and his last name was similar to mine Kenseko. um i it just it just grabbed my attention right away so you know that that's how i became a collector during the junk wax era everybody uh, in my neighborhood had baseball cards. Even if they weren't collectors, um, their parents would buy them sets and they'll, they'll say, you know, we'll just put these away, you know, for your college tuition and, and crazy things like that. Or, you know, even kids that had no interest in it had baseball cards. So I would go to each one of my friends and I would look through their collection, like, collection of cards and find a conseco in there till I had like 10 or 12 and I collected to like 98. Or ninety nine, and then you know I had a job and a girlfriend and a car to maintain, and I kind of put the 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 baseball cards on the back burner. But in two thousand and seven, I just happened to Google baseball cards one day. Um, I was at I was at the hospital, and I was stuck in the lobby, and I had my Sony PSP, which you could use for internet, and I Googled uh, baseball cards and. The baseball card blog by Ben Henry came up, and he was he was the most talented writer ever. And I swear I spent like six hours on that website reading up on baseball cards, modern and past sets, and that was kind of what what brought me back to collecting. And then within three or four months after I started collecting again, I just I wanted to kind of showcase my Jose Canseco collection, which you know that's kind of how the site started. But then. I realized nobody really cares about Jose Canseco, so I started writing about the hobby and and current products, and that's when it everything took off.
0: Did you have a background in writing? None.
1: Uh, actually, my background, um, I, I, actually, really, the Wax Heaven, it blew up because it was like a, I don't know if you remember a guy named Perez Hilton. He was a big, big celebrity blog, uh, blogger back then. And, you know, the, the, it was bad grammar, it, but it was just so active that it, it exploded. And I look back at some of my articles from 2007 to 2009, and I cringe because it's full of bad grammar. It's full of misspelled words. It's just a disaster. But people picked up on my enthusiasm for collecting that it didn't really matter. Uh, these days, um, my, my writing has gotten a lot better, a lot more professional. Um, you know, I have some stuff in the works, which, you know, once it goes through, I think people are going to be shocked, but I have absolutely no, um, no writing experience at all. I just, I just wanted to write about something I loved and, uh, it, it worked out.
0: What do you think it was that allowed you to build such a a reputation and a following to be able to, to become one of the most trafficked blogs that was out there, was it that passion or was it the frequency and the, you know- It was the, the frequency. Of, of what you were putting out there, what do you think <laughs> it was?
1: So so in 2008, the economy crashed. I don't know if you, you know much about that, but I was working, I had this great job and uh, I one day I showed up to work and the doors were locked and the, the entire building was empty. So overnight they moved out and everybody lost their job. And I was living with a girl named Tatiana, I had already started the blog. And she said to me, you've worked so hard the last couple of years. She was doing really well. She was uh, working at a printing company. And then she did side work as a photographer, as a wedding photographer. So she said to me, you know, you've been working so hard the last couple of years. Why don't you take some time off? And, you know, I said, well, Okay. Uh, absolutely. I'd love to do that. And, um, I stayed at home and yeah, uh, blogging kind of became my job. So it was frequency. It was the news. I got in with certain companies and they were feeding me stories. Uh, I had upper deck feeding me store negative stories about tops. I had companies calling me, Hey, you know, can you talk about this and this and that? And I had companies providing products. And one thing I was doing that I could separate myself from those 200 other blogs is I was writing detailed product reviews because I was basically getting every single product that was released. So I could write reviews. I could scan the cards. I could do videos. And then I would do giveaways and all for each and every single product that I had. Um, but I, I think it was the fact that I, that I was the most active. Somebody told me on Twitter the other day, um, they were there for, for the, uh, for the glory days of wax seven. And he said he would leave on his, at his job, he would leave my page up, um, on his home screen and he would just refresh it throughout the day. And every time he would refresh it, there was a new story. So, um, that's kind of why Twitter has worked out because I have a job where I, I have a little bit of freedom. So I can, you know, in between things that I'm doing, cause I'm on the road, I can just pull over and start reading some articles or, or, or get some kind of inspiration to write. And it's kind of been a little bit like wax heaven was.
0: And how long did you write for, for wax heaven or how long did you uh, have that up until about 2010 it,
1: or so? Yes, it was around 2009. It was two and a half years. I ended up, uh, me and that girlfriend, we ended up splitting up and it was because of baseball cards. Um, uh, you know, that's the, the, the real reason why, you know, um, I, I was more into baseball cards than I was into that relationship. And the, the more I got into it, the bigger the site got, the more the demands were, I I would get a hundred emails a day. I'm not even exaggerating. I would get, um, just product after product with just I had like 20 boxes of product that I needed to do to work on. I had cards to scan, to put away. I was, I was giving away cards locally uh, in my town. There was just so much to do that I wasn't getting paid for. But I I mean, I, I had made that deal where she told me to stay home for a while, take, take a year off. So, um, I was neglecting her. I was neglecting her. I was more into the, you know, I guess I was, uh, I, before the term existed i was kind of a social media influencer and so i chose baseball cards over her and um we ended up splitting up and you know what happens when you split up and you haven't worked for a year you're you're you have no money yeah. so i ended up having to move back home with my mom at 27 and start over and you know i'm thankful i, I i'm disappointed in closing the site but i i I couldn't concentrate on baseball cards for a while. I had to kind of get my stuff together, get a job and save some money. And I'm thankful that we split up because she wasn't the one for me. And I, I met, you know, the 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 woman that would eventually be the mother of my daughter. So it worked out well. But at the time, yeah, I'm disappointed because I, um, not too, I, I don't like to make the hobby a business for me. I want it to always be a hobby, but I could have cashed out. And you know, with, with the site as big, I was getting more traffic than the Beckett.com. I was getting just as much traffic as Freedom Cardboard. And Freedom Cardboard is a message board that gets refreshed consistently. So it was it was so to the point where I, I could have made I had I had an opportunity to invest in cardboard connection and all he wanted was seven hundred dollars and I would have been in. And there were so many opportunities that I missed out on. And so I closed the, I, I stopped blogging. I shut down the site. I ended up selling it for like $1,200. Um, and then the guy took over, some guy took over, and he used the domain name and all that t- and, and the audience. And it didn't really work out for him. And, and I think in 2017, I was able to get it back from him, the archives and everything else.
0: Now, you know, you've never shied away from strong opinions and you know, you had shared when you first got started, you were starting with information about your Canseco collection, then you started doing product reviews and those types of things as well. How did your or how did the type of content you are writing about evolve over time? And how do you know how do you see <laughs> yeah. that the topics and themes playing from when you were getting started to what you what, what you share today on Twitter?
1: Well, what I was doing, I was I was writing a post today about Jose, uh, about a certain Jose Canseco card that I had in my collection. And at the same time, I was buying every single Topps product that was out there. I, this is before I was sponsored. So I'd buy, you know, Topps co-signers. I buy Topps finest. I buy Topps flag, every single Topps product. And before I knew it and I was buying for the fun aspect of it, not because I was trying to sell it. But, you know, I was also making trades, and I recognized, I realized, hold on a sec, I have six different autographs of Michael Bourne, who was on the Philadelphia Phillies, the cards were absolutely worthless, I couldn't give them away to a Phillies fan if I wanted to, and so... You know, my Conseco Conseco posts were getting like 10 to 15 views per day. So one day I said, you know, I'm going to write about this Michael Bourne situation. Why am I getting so many Michael Bourne cards? And so I did that with, you know, I wasn't cursing or anything, but I, I said something to the effect of I am sick of getting Michael Bourne cards. And I explained why and that I went from 10 to 15 views to like 200 And then i thought well you know a light bulb went off in my head i said well maybe i should you know i i I don't think people care about my jose Conseco collection you know this is before tan man you know started buying up all these amazing pieces i was just getting just whatever i could afford but um yeah i just noticed that people wanted to hear opinions about current products not 1991 tops
0: and then, so then that's when you started to adapt a little bit. How, how do, how did that continue to evolve? You know, at once you, you know, you were writing until 2010, you said you took another break. You came back on, on Twitter at the time and, and were, you know, starting to, again, discuss the hobby. How did that kind of continue to evolve over time? Kind of oh, well. what you were talking about, your approach to, to creating and, and, and that type of thing.
1: Well, when I came back originally it was two thousand and fourteen. Um, I created what I called Wax the Wax Morgue, which was kind of a like a like a blog about celebrities passing away and what cards were available of these celebrities. And um I didn't make it it, it didn't really it didn't really take off. Um in two thousand and eighteen I came on Twitter. I had always avoided Twitter, actually all social media really. But um I came on Twitter and I thought, you know, everybody's gonna remember me from WAX 7. I'm gonna be this big, huge influencer again. And I I came on Twitter and nobody knew who I was. There's this cycle of collectors that come and go. So um a lot of these collectors that were big during the Wax Seven days were gone. They were not collecting anymore. They moved on to other 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 things and so I, I kind of started from from zero, and um, I, I, I began talking about the hobby. But around that time, I started to get very bitter. Um, I think Tanman was one of the reasons because he had he had reached this level. Um, just talking about Conseco that I was never able to do. And not only that, he had so much influence on the market, the Jose Canseco market, that um, suddenly cards that I was picking up for $20 were $70, 80 $90. He single-handedly um, absolutely crushed the Jose Canseco market to where it, where it's at now. It's coming back down to earth now, but for a while – he resurrected the Jose Canseco market, the The collectors that were in love with him in the 80s and 90s. And there was some bitterness in, in my I think I've talked to Tanner a few times since then. But, um, you know, I, I had a lot of bitter feelings. I had a lot of toxic type tweets um, against Ivan from Watch the Breaks. We had a falling out. It just nothing was really working out and i ended up getting suspended i came back a second time um, and it was just i was dead in the water right off the bat and then the third time i came back which is now i just decided you know what i'm not going to focus on what you know superfractor, bat barrel 101 that tanner's getting i'm just going to focus on what i love which is baseball cards, rare baseball cards, 90s baseball cards, inserts, pinnacle brands. I'm just going to focus on what I want to talk about that makes me happy as a collector and I'm not going to worry about the rest. And in you know if if people want to like what I do, they can you know follow and like if they don't, it's OK. I'm just going to do what I do, which is write about baseball cards. And um, yeah, it, it just started taking off a lot quicker than I ever expected.
0: During that period of time a few years ago, you had mentioned, you know, when you kind of first came back, you you look back at that now and and, and think to yourself, maybe you were sharing some, some things or looking at things from a mindset that was a little bit toxic. Was that Would you say that that was limited to kind of your hobby mindset or did you do you feel like you maybe were having similar mindset issues outside in your personal life as well? I always sometimes wonder for myself, of course, is my hobby mindset influencing my my personal life or are things in my personal life impacting my hobby mindset and the things that I share there any thoughts of it have you thought about that Absolutely. at all that's something that's that's come up
1: I would say two thousand eighteen to two thousand and nineteen were actually some of my better years i was i was um almost I had almost become a bodybuilder at that point i I was you know I followed in my hero's footsteps and began using steroids, testosterone and all these different products so, from a personal standpoint, I felt like a kid again. I was, you know, in my 30s at that point. And, I, I, you know, I had a beautiful girlfriend. I had my daughter. I had, you know, my life was great, but I felt I think the, the toxicity um, originated from the fact that I came back to the hobby and, and I had this expectation that I was going to be viewed as something special. When the truth is, you know, I've been gone for, you know, seven, eight years. I don't know how long it had been at that point. And you can't expect somebody to even care. you got to rebuild that audience. And so I think it came from that. It came from, you know, watching, you know, Ivan watch the breaks, get 50,000 followers and, um, and Tan Man doing some amazing, amazing work as a writer and as a card designer. And I felt envious i guess and i think that's where my toxicity came from in that, and my personal life was great at that time so it, it never it was it was just the hobby i think i needed i needed a break and that's why i took a, a three-year collecting break i stopped collecting completely
0: yeah so that, that's i think that's cool that you had a chance to reflect on that and realize that maybe there was that personal envious nature of of the recognition that some others were getting um, and how you know you took steps to then adjust from that and and come back again um you mentioned that you've talked to to um tan man to tanner a few times you know since then have have you had a chance to kind of reach out to ivan and kind of you know i don't know if reconciles the right word but to to have a conversation with with ivan as well
1: well actually there was there was a few people on my list ivan was the first one um, and we did make up and now we follow each other and he retweets my stuff and we're good, uh, which is great because I think that I harassed him possibly the most of anybody that I. he just something about him at that time just just got under my nerve. And um, we 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 did make up um, another person I reached out to who recently passed away was Ben. Um, Cardboard. Icon. You know who I'm talking Yes. So Cardboard Icons created his blog because of Wax Heaven. He was such a fan. He even told me and he talks about it. Um it was his inspiration for creating Cardboard Icons and at my most toxic he unfollowed me. And I was like it it kind of hurt a little bit, you know? And I never talked to him about it. But when I came back, he was like the third person that I apologized to and 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 we made up as well and I the last podcast I did was like two months ago with David Adams. He was and I was terribly nervous because it was a live Mm -hmm. podcast. And he was the very first person to reach out and tell me, hey, man, you did freaking great. You sounded great. You didn't sound nervous. I'm proud of you. So so I, I every single person I've reached out to to apologize for my behavior in the past accepted it except for one which i understand um not you know my behavior or the way that i was behaving at the time you know you you don't have to accept my apology you know if if i offended you or if i was rude in any way you know it's you know it's something that i i can't take back i can only try to do better
0: Well, there is part one of our conversation. I would love to know what you think. I appreciated how Mario opened up a little bit about what was going on in his mind as he both started to create content and how his mindset shifted into a more negative space and how he now realizes that that wasn't the best approach. I really appreciate him kind of opening up and talking through what was going on in his head as he did that. I would love to know what you think about this first half of the interview. Reach out to me on Twitter at the Mike Summer, Send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. Find me on TikTok, Instagram, or threads at waxpackhero. Let me know what you think. Come on back for next week for part two of the conversation with Mario.